And here's what I want to ask you. What is holding you back? What is the thing that's holding you back from going after your dreams and from finding meaningful work you love? Aren't you ready to wake up to the possibilities that are in your life and go after the things you've dreamt of? It's time for you to feel alive again, lit up, and for you to know that you're deserving and you are worthy for the future that's waiting for you. I want you to feel fulfilled and find abundance in your life. I think it's time and I'm ready to help you get started. Now I'm your host, Kristen, of Building a Life You Love. And each week on the show, we're going to help you figure out how you do go after your dreams and find work you love. Here we go. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Building a Life You Love. This is your host, Kristen. And I am excited that today I am going to talk to an intellectual properties lawyer about how do we protect ourselves, our name, our brand, that public facing part of our, you know, our business name or maybe programs or things we've come up with. It is a great and such an informative conversation, but I think the big takeaway is do you have a legal expert in your corner that you so take a listen. I think this is going to be a really uh, juicy and informative episode for you. Hi, today on the show, I would like to welcome Francesca Whitsberg. She is an award-winning legal strategist and intellectual property expert. Welcome, Francesca. Thank you so much, Kristen. I'm so excited to be here today. Oh, this is such an important topic for, for all of us, you know, to protect ourselves legally. So I appreciate you being on today. Can you start with telling us a little bit about how you got into law and how you're helping people protect their IPs and what you're up to now? Yes. Okay. So I went to law school, not sure of what I wanted to do. I just knew I wanted to help people. Um, I ended up going to the Benjamin N. Cardozo School of Law, which is in Greenwich Village, New York. It's right next to Parsons and the New School. And it's really a hub for intellectual property, creative law, fashion, entertainment, all of the kind of um, more interesting areas of the law, if you will. And I really didn't know what any of that was until I went to law school. And my mind really exploded when I realized, wow, uh, fashion companies need lawyers. Artists Mm -hmm. need lawyers. Businesses and small businesses need lawyers. I didn't really understand the full capacity of protecting names and, and photos and film, all of that. And until I got there and I fell into it. I loved it. I ended up interning at Prada and Tory Burch. I got some really great experience and then uh, just really wanted to become an, a, an intellectual property lawyer in the trademark and copyright areas and ended up work staying in Manhattan, working at a boutique firm and then worked at the world's largest law firm for really big brands and talent and businesses. And uh, just last year, I I decided that I wanted to go to a firm where I could be a partner because I was an associate working for other partners. And I wanted to have the flexibility to advise not just Fortune 500 companies, but also businesses that are launching and starting. Um, everyone needs IP. Intellectual property is ev- everywhere and it's everything. It's been over a year now that I've been at my new firm, which is Loza and Loza and helping so many entrepreneurs and founders and creatives. And it's been really exciting. That is amazing. And I love, like you said, you can obviously help the big companies and these great brands, but you can also help, you know, all the people starting businesses or like you said, the creatives, but you're helping them basically make sure they're protected and that they can become successful, right? By, by being protected legally. Um, so let me ask you, the first thing I'd say is, 
what are maybe your top three things that's that people need to be doing when they've established their business? Like what do they need to make sure that they have in place, you know, like end all be all kind of things first off? Yeah, I think there's I think there's three really mean components from my perspective, from the IP perspective. So the first is making sure that you have your trademarks. And I know that people do this kind of backwards. They'll work with a corporate lawyer first. They pick a name and they work with branding and they get a logo. And then you're already spending, you know, a lot of money and you either go to a trademark attorney then. And if the trademark attorney runs a search and tells you it's unavailable, that's a problem. Um, And the other option is you don't go to an IP trademark or an IP lawyer. You find out the hard way that you don't own the name. You get a demand letter or something and you have to rebrand. And it really is a story that is so common and it's so preventable with, with affordable, affordable rates. You know, there's definitely people who filed trademarks all over. Their pricing is all over, just like anything, just like Mm -hmm. any business coach or any industry. But it's critical for all businesses to budget for legal and have that consult with a lawyer to figure out what's the most important things to protect. So the trademark is really the first because it's your brand name and your going to be visible and you want as many people as possible to see your name. So make sure that you own the trademark, work with a lawyer to get it searched, cleared and filed. Then the next is that copyright element. A lot of people are online businesses and they either have frameworks and methods or courses. If you're if you're in that space, it could even be photos or your website designs. There's usually some copyrightable element, which is can be protected too with a filing. So you get that on file. And then the last piece is really the contract piece to protect those and protect your business generally. The most important contract at the launch stage is really a contract with, well, there's two. There's the, pe- the getting a contract with the people who you are hiring. So a lot of the times you start with independent contractors instead of employees. And then also having a contract in place with the people who hire you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So that's your clients who are purchasing whatever course offerings or services or goods that that you have. Right. So what about that real quick? So let's say, because obviously you either have more of a service-based business or you have, you know, maybe a product-based business, but let's say the product is more like you said, a course or a program, right? So more of an online offering. What about that? Is having just kind of the verbiage online, is that enough to be considered a contract? Or do you feel like then people still need kind of an e- and something they sign online, right? Like a hello sign or something like that that they use for each student that's in the course or program? The really, the top coaches and the top business people do have documents that people sign. It's a combination of two things. The sophisticated business owners have either gotten burned and they have the experience to understand the importance of legal that they don't look at legal like paying your taxes. They look at legal as business strat- as strategists mm-hmm. and people who can help you save money, not people who are bleeding you dry of money, right. which I think is, um, you know, a misconception. So when um, I work with these coaches, a lot of them are, you know, seven, eight figure mm-hmm. business business owners. They know I, I'm getting this in writing because I don't even want it. Argue, argued that 
I didn't see it. You updated it. And then you don't have proof. If you just throw it on your website, you have terms of service and say, by clicking this, you agree to the terms of service. There are legal terms, but to really have strong roots in enforceability, having a signed document is very important. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, and for, for even my podcast or my, if I do coaching or consulting, I have, you know, obviously, you know, individual contracts, people are signing, sending back. But I think sometimes you do think, oh, well, if it's just an online program, you don't need to do that. But I think you bring up a really good point, which is if it doesn't have a date associated with it and a signature from both parties, they, like you said, there now there's room for a gray area, right? Where, well, no, that's not what it said when I saw it. That's not what, if it's ever changed, right? And how do you prove that? So that's a really good point, I think, to make, which is even if you have a program where people are joining online and it's not a one, one-to-one, you still need to really, you know, dot those I's and cross those T's with, T's with contracts to protect yourself. You can put the contract in place before they purchase. So right. they can go to your page because the software is really incredible now. Uh-huh. I know Kajabi has this where you can actually upload the contract terms. So you still have a lawyer draft the contract and then you upload the terms and there's a way that they can e-sign and it'll it'll save um, a copy. So there's definitely programs that offer this and you should look into it. That's an option right. as well. Yeah, no, that's, that's a really good point. So thank you for that. That's wonderful. Okay, so then what else? How do we make sure that we are finding representation, right? Someone on the legal side of things, because really that person's part of our team, even if it's just somebody we contract with. How do we make sure we're getting someone that's gonna really help us protect our company and our intellectual property? I think it's I think it's really important to look to see who has the expertise in your industry. Mm-hmm. Because not every lawyer is the same. You could go to a really good traditional IP lawyer, but if they have no idea what Kajabi is or what an online business coach is, you're relying on these people to understand your industry and your services to draft proper descriptions and applications that could actually affect your rights. So it's very important that you not only make sure that the person is an expert in their field, but also are they an expert in your industry and have they worked with other businesses like yours? Well, that's a good point. And are you finding that more lawyers, there are more lawyers now that are sort of more up on these, you know, businesses that are mostly an online business? (sighs) Um, (laughs) It it depends. There's still a lot of traditional lawyers and law firms that are really slow to embracing all of the new economies that are coming up. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are eight-figure entrepreneurs that are doing really well that are willing to pay for really good legal advice that are really great to work with. And many of them have become my friends <laughs> as my clients. Um, and still, sometimes the bigger firms aren't as amenable to working with them because maybe these are clients that need flat fees or things that they, that more flexibility so that they can budget accordingly. Uh-huh. And um, not only with that, you know, just with online coaching being one example of like an, an, a market, NFTs, NFTs right. and, and Web3, this is all a new technology space mm-hmm. that these are million dollar, com- multi-million dollar uh-huh. businesses and, and that have the funds 
And so I think more traditional lawyers are going to start, but still it's really important. Not everyone is doing it. Not everyone's taking, not every lawyer is taking the time to learn. So my recommendation is go wherever you are, you know, you want your lawyer to meet you there. That's why I'm really active on Instagram. A lot of the clients that I serve are mostly on Instagram. So I meet people where they are. I want to learn the tools. If I'm doing an influencer agreement, I want to see how they're going to post the story and how the the post text is important. Um, All of these things that if you're working with a lawyer that doesn't even understand what a story is, then that's a problem. (laughs) Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because you're right. It's so different, you know, than business was. 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. And obviously there's plenty of businesses that still operate in that, you know, the more traditional framework because they don't have maybe an online business or an online component like many of us do now. So it's a really good point that you bring that up because if they don't understand the relationship and they don't understand how people are buying online and that, to your point, we it might be missed. Something might be missed that needs to be in the agreement. Correct. Yeah. So that's, that's a really good point. And I hate to say it, but this is, we're talking about web 2.0. Yeah. We're past that now. Yeah, yeah. We're we're breaking into Web 3.0, yeah. which is involving the metaverse and all of the all of the virtual tools that right now it's a lot of gaming industries and but it's like anything. I mean, TikTok, Instagram. These were it was first Snapchat. They were all used by younger kids, right. and then it became more mainstream. And now businesses are using it. So for Web 3, it's the same. It's the same thing as we start to think more and more coaches are going to start thinking, how can I use NFTs, tokens to build communities? And yeah. all of that is there. It's just really, really new. Yes. Um, and I'm like fully immersed in it right now so that when I have the clients who come to me and say, Francesca, I'm ready to expand and offer my community kickbacks in the form of tokens that... I could say, okay, here's here's what we do from from a legal perspective. Yeah. It's like a really exciting time. But if you're working with lawyers that don't even know about Web two, really, um, you might yeah. want to keep keep searching, right? Yeah. Keep like talking to people and deciding you know, who's talking. the right fit. Find Absolutely. people in your space. Yeah. No, that's good. And actually, it's funny. My mom's in her late seventies. She's an artist, creative. Um, we have a, a a different business together in the family space, but she literally months ago had reached out to me and said, Hey, I'm thinking about maybe putting some of my art designs on one of the, uh, NFT, right. Uh, marketplaces. And I was like, mom. And so I was, I was like, are you sure you like understand? And, and she had done some research, but I was like, but you know, that the price has changed. Like, you know, and I was like, it's kind of like the stock market. But my point was, is she was doing some research and she's, you know, that age, but she's a little bit more in the know than, you know, some yeah, people I can are. tell. <laughs> but, you know, it's still like, okay, just because you've heard about it doesn't mean you should just jump into it, right? Gosh, but the point is, so true. if she was going to truly, she would need to probably find a lawyer to make sure she really understood what's that mean? You know, what would that mean to putting it there? And what if the money changes when you get, get this money, but then it, you know, transfers to dollars? And because it's a lot more complicated to your point than, you know, just kind of reading about it a couple of times. Yeah. So I think, I think that like the takeaway I want everyone to get from this is Mm -hmm. we're all so excited about growing and scaling and we're quick to put our money and resources with 
PR and coaches and sales funnels and ads. But we also need to be really excited about working with legal because it's not just defensively. There's really great ways that you can create documents and language to actually make money and profit from your IP. So with like NFTs or even just the, the things that you've created, let's say an online, an online course mm-hmm. is, a, is a good example. Um, you don't have to just sell directly to consumer. Mm-hmm. You can actually sell to other coaches and do a licensing model mm-hmm. and give other people the rights to teach your course. And then you get a percentage. Either you charge them a flat fee or you get a percentage. Mm-hmm. So working with lawyers strategically, you could end up making way more money uh, considering different ways to leverage your intellectual property uh, as opposed to not and finding out the hard way that you did something wrong or maybe you missed opportunities for for licensing. Yeah, I think this is a really important point. And I think a lot of people miss it. You know, they miss that. They might have heard of, oh, I can do affiliate sales. Or like you said, I can can maybe license it or someone else can um, be underneath, you know, whatever I'm, I'm offering. But I don't think people really realize that their lawyer or some lawyers, not maybe not all lawyers, can help them to your point with this part of the strategy, you know, the, the overarching strategy and then making sure they have the legal um, documentation, right. And contracts in place and framework, I guess, really right. For those, what's that deal look like, right. So that they can set it up properly. So I think that's a really important point that, that once again, that legal um, part of your team, you know, even if the team is just, you know, as you need them, the point is, is it's so important. And I agree with you. A lot of people, especially if they're starting out or they're a smaller business, they, they're they literally trying to figure out how they can spend the least amount of dollars sometimes on legal, you know, because yes. they're thinking, oh, I don't have the money for it. Yeah, I just want to change. Problem. I want to change everyone's perspective on that. Yeah. Um, you know, I did have a client that said to me once, Francesca, because I was trying to get her to get her contracts in place and she wasn't getting it. She, and she, this is this is someone who... She makes, she's been making really, she exploded. She exploded this year. Um, But my concern for her was the more visible you get, the more you grow, the more potential legal problems you can have if you don't dot your I's and cross your T's. Mm -hmm. And um, she said to me, you know, like paying you is like paying my taxes. And I just was like, okay, this is someone who um, unfortunately may not have been burned before, but I want everyone to not see it like that. You know, you're investing in yourself. You're investing in your names, your content, your businesses. At the end of the day, when you file for these things, when you get your trademark registration, you get your copyright registration, these are real, these are assets. Mm -hmm. They They go on your books. You can license them like we talked about. You can sell them. You can sell uh, your client lists, which are also, it's a form of intellectual property. Those are your trade secrets. Mm-hmm. There's so much that you can really be doing in your own, with your own intellectual property. Uh, but the key is investing in it early mm-hmm. and protecting them and doing the right filings. But once you have that, it's, it's really exciting to, to see, wow, I have all these trademarks and all these copyrights and these contracts that you can actually make money from and be protected with. 
Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so are there other ways that we try to prevent legal issues before they happen? Or is it really things we just talked about? No, there's definitely, and um, I, I kind of mentioned this at the beginning, that I'm coming from the IP, intellectual property lens. More importantly, from the trademark and copyright, there's also patent lawyers who specialize with protecting innovations mm-hmm. and inventions. Uh, then there's corporate lawyers. Corporate lawyers are really important. If you want to shield yourself from liability and consider which entity you want to have all the IP in the name of, or to have all your contracts in the name of, that's critical. Then there's privacy lawyers and lawyers who are going to draft your terms of service and your privacy policies. It's a really growing area of the law, state by state specific and very, very complex. And I have people that say, well, I'm just going to take them from online. But the problem with that is uh, if you don't have a lawyer draft them, they're not just templates. There's there are actual contracts in there, and it's really important to get the language uh, right. Uh, there, and there's a variety. There's a variety of different types of lawyers, but I think for the launched businesses, the more you learn, the more you talk. Um, I I do what's called like an IP audit with clients, where they come to me and we do a, a review of all of their assets. So I look at their websites and their social media pages, and we see what their most important trademarks are, their copyrights, and a a contract checklist. And even though I'm not an employment lawyer or privacy lawyer, I include some of that in there very high level so -hmm. that I can say, okay, here are the things that you need, and here are the people that you need to talk to just to give holistic advice. So if I can't handle it. I will refer it out. And many other lawyers, well, good lawyers will will do the same. I mean, that's a really good point because I don't think that's something you just brought up. I don't think everyone thinks about that either. That most lawyers aren't, I mean, they're not generalists. I mean, I know there are some, but to your point, a lot of you specialize just like a doctor would specialize, right? And so do most of us need multiple lawyers on our team or for when we need it? Yes. Yeah. I don't know how many new businesses or, you know, people in growth mode are really necessarily realize that, you know, that if they have one layer that might not really be protecting them in all the ways. You should have at least one that's in your camp. And that one needs to be uh, business savvy and practical enough that they know how to spot the issues. So right. like for me, for example, I do serve as outside general counsel for some clients with the IP lens. Mm-hmm. So it's really like centered around IP. But because I work with so many businesses and online businesses that and tech that I know the issues to spot and I have people in my referral network that I say, OK, you need to talk to this person, this person, this person. And then it's mm-hmm. the col- collective whole. But the really the most important part to start with is really um, speaking with someone who is a business type attorney. Right. That makes sense. Uh, So I do have a question or two questions for you that are uh, more specific. The first one is, and now I know that you're more IP, not as much as like um, setting up the business entities, but any recommendations on that? Should everybody, you know, so what we're not talking about, obviously a 50 person firm or a 2000 person firm, but it's somebody starting out either them just themselves, right. As like a, and um, sorry, as a coach or a consultant or whatever they might be, do you recommend they're all LLCs or like versus a sole proprietorship or some other, you know, um, S corp or something like that? 
Yeah, that's the question to ask your corporate lawyer. Yeah. It's really important. They'll help you if you work with a corporate attorney that advises small businesses. They have affordable rates and they're they're going to ask you the right questions to figure out which entity type fits your business needs. Mm-hmm. And as an IP lawyer, I don't advise as to that. As an entrepreneur, I do I have my own LLC. Yeah. So I am um, an attorney, but I do have various side businesses mm-hmm. and my own investments, and I incorporate them. I really do practice what I preach. I incorporate, I file for my trademarks and my copyrights, and I have contracts just because I've seen way too many horror stories yeah. that I don't want to I don't want to deal with problems. Right. Right. That makes sense. So what about that though? So let's say, is there any recommendation from the IP perspective on in other words, does it matter what your LLC name is versus like the names that you're going to trademark, you know, for IPs? Does That's a it's a great question. So I'll try to answer it in a way that debunks an important myth. Mm-hmm. Many people think that once they get the company name, that you own the trademark. And that is not true. So when you go to incorporate, you go to your secretary of state. Every mm-hmm. state has a different database. So let's say we're in New York and you want to form a New York company and you work with a business lawyer, you decide on your name. Let's say it's, um, let's say for, for some reason your parents named you Disney. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> let's say they named you Disney. And so you decide to register Disney Ventures LLC in New York. Mm-hmm. All the New York database care about, all they check for is to see if there was an exact name taken. So you can add a space, you can change the letters. It doesn't matter. They don't check from a trademark perspective. All they check to see is, is does someone have the exact same spelling? Because technically there's a difference between a company name and a trademark. Mm-hmm. So a com- any you can name your company name anything, mm-hmm. but it's what's, it's what's going to be on contracts, But when it comes to your brand Mm -hmm. and your consumer-facing name, that rises to the level of a trademark, and it's a totally different game. It's a different register. It's with the Mm -hmm. U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, and it's a different standard. So Mm -hmm. even though your name is Disney, you will likely not be able to use (laughs) – you will not be able to use the Disney name as your trademark. So there is a big difference. And that's why I usually tell people, yes, you should always work with corporate lawyers Mm -hmm. to get your business formation set up. But you may want to check if you want your business name to match your brand name, Mm -hmm. you want them to be the same, work with a trademark lawyer. Otherwise, um, for example, I have Wittsburg Ventures uh, LLC, which is the company, but then Mm -hmm. I have all sorts of different trademarks that are are owned by that. So I don't I don't have a trademark for Wittsburg Ventures because I'm not using it right. as a brand. It's like your umbrella basically. I yeah, know it's your it's, LLC, but that's sort of like just the overarching you put everything in company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, no that, that's really good. So that's um I think that's really helpful information. Okay, so what other tips would you have for people just to make sure we're protecting ourselves and um you know, all the things that we should be thinking about, especially in January, this is obviously going to be a popular time. A lot of people are, you know, starting things or they're starting, um, even if they're already a business, they might be starting a new program or they're launching something new. 
So any tips for us as we you know move into the next year and people will be incorporating maybe that haven't, that sort of thing? Yeah, I think it's just important to know that what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. What's happening is more and more people are leaving corporate America. There's more and more businesses that are starting. And with that, you're getting more and more trademark filings. There's only a finite amount of words in the English language. Yeah. And we're seeing an influx in trademark applications, which is making it much more harder to, to find available names. So I really do suggest if you do have a name, if you're going to be using it as a big brand, um, investing and budgeting and think just thinking that it's your insurance, but not only your insurance, but you're investing in your business because it is going to be an asset that you own. So that's really my important um, takeaways. Everyone value this, value yourself and invest in your, your brands and your names and do it early instead of waiting until there's a problem. Because at that point, it's expensive. Lawyers are going to charge you a lot of money and no one wants to go through that. Yeah. So I have two clarifying questions with that. The first is, do you ever recommend initially, even if someone's uh, coming up with names that they search for trademark, uh, search the trademark database themselves? Oh, yes. Okay. There's three, there's a couple things you could do. So there's three steps. The first is check USPTO.gov. The second is go to Google, go to Instagram, go to Facebook, just do your due diligence. Due diligence, look yeah. and search, see what people are doing. However, those that is not enough. Right. Mm-hmm. If you start using and you get a demand letter, it's not enough to say, well, I searched USPTO.gov. It's because that search is very, it literally is only for the exact same name. And in trademark law, that doesn't matter. It, it, a mark could be a potential conflict if it looks the same, if it sounds the same, if it's the same in meaning, and if the goods and services are related. There's a lot of analysis that goes into it, legal analysis. Mm -hmm. And without having an IP lawyer run the proper search, my searches are not on USPTO.gov. We have special software that we use. Uh Um, So without that, (laughs) you're really not doing a search. But it's the starting point because if you see that someone has the exact same name, uh, for the exact same stuff, at least you have an idea that it's probably taken. Like you might need to, yeah, you might, you might need to have a broader idea of some other names that you might consider before mm-hmm. you even walk in the door, right? To get the, to get the professional search done and trademark. Yes. It's the first thing to do. And then what about, so when you have a podcast or you, you're starting a new program, but it's not necessarily like your, um, well, for instance, like the program, let's say it's not your, well, what do you call it? Like the, um, not anchor, your but your, mark, your main mark. Yeah. Do, do you, are you, do you, are you recommending that people are trademarking every single one of those they do, even when they're still kind of testing it out or is you it something where to do a search, a search at, okay, at a it. minimum? Yeah. If you're going to use a name just because it's a podcast, just because it's a, it's a small program. Those are still trademarks. Yeah. They are still, and if you step on someone's toes saying, whoops, I don't know. More and more, I'm seeing people actually ask for for monetary damages. They're not just saying, okay, stop using. They want money. Yeah. And yeah. so, yes, do a search. And then it comes down to budget as a 
to figure out which, what do I file for? Mm -hmm. I personally file for my podcast names because I want the peace of mind. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to invest all of this time and money in a name that I'm going to find out is a problem down the road or someone tries to register ahead of me. That's another thing I'm seeing. And that becomes a legal battle again and expensive. So the way that you just get around it is budgeting. And I think that's, that's what I do with clients. It's people have a ton of stuff, right? People have a ton of programs and content or and names, mm-hmm. but it's figuring out and working with a strategist to see what are the most important trademarks that I do now? What can, what can we wait to hold off on for the next quarter yeah. and what can be done maybe next year? I do that in my IP audits. When I work with people, we come up with um, a plan and an intellect. I call it my IP playbook, which I've also trademarked. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's actually a roadmap for your protection. Right. And that makes a lot of sense. And I think it's a good point that even if you're just testing out an idea, a name, but you're not certain it's going to be the one, right? It's, yeah. you at least need to go see what else is out there first before you, you maybe are ready to go trademark it and do the, you know, the full thing. But obviously if it's something you're sure this is what you want to move forward with, if you're able, then that's when you need to, you know, for sure, reach out to a lawyer and try to get that professional help. Yes, correct. Wonderful. Okay. Any last resources or recommendations you want to leave us with, and then we can find out how we can reach you online. Yeah, there's a lot of people. There's a t- there's more and more trademark attorneys online. So if you are interested in learning, um, go online. Also, too, I'm not just a trademark attorney. Copyrights, contracts, all all these air er- this this ever-growing area of the metaverse and NFTs and digital art, it's its happening, it's here. And so I'm constantly talking about it and trying to educate businesses on how they can integrate it into their businesses. So follow me on Instagram. That's really the most important spot. I'm at the trademark attorney. And if you are interested in learning specifics about your business, I offer a free intellectual property strategy call that you can go to Instagram, click the link in my bio and just schedule directly today. Yeah. Oh, I love it. That's amazing. What a great resource you're offering to people to kind of get their, you know, that first look at sort of what do we have going on and sort of what do you need to be doing? So I think that's amazing. Well, thank you so much, Francesca, for being with us today. I think this is such important information and I hope it helps a lot of people in the coming year. Thank you so much. It was so great to be here, Kristen. Thank you. Thanks again. Oh, this episode was filled with so much great advice. But as always, of course, consult your own lawyer and make sure you are, you know, seeking out legal advice for your own business and brand um, efforts. And I just want to leave you with a quote by a very famous quote by Benjamin Franklin that I think is so apropos in this situation, which is an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Let's do the things up front. Let's get the advice we need and have someone in our corner to make sure that we are protected. Once again, thanks for listening to the podcast. And if you enjoyed the podcast, we would love it if you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts because that helps us get discovered by more people. We'd also love your feedback. So email me at Kristen at KristenFitch.com or DM me on Instagram. I'm at Kristen Fitch. And let me know what ideas or ideas for shows or for guests that you have. I would love to hear from you.